Welcome to the MI Hunting Podcast. It's springtime, spring activities, and that means seasons are closing and others are opening. Welcome to the MI Hunting Podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. It is April and we are looking at we're looking at that switch between uh winter and spring. I mean, we've got some crazy weather going on right now. Uh it seems like every weekend we're getting a snowstorm uh the past few weeks and then during the week it's nice and sunny and warm. So but what are you gonna do? This is Michigan and parts of the Midwest, you know, you know what I'm talking about. So yeah, at this point, I've really hung up and put away the ice fishing gear uh, and really starting to look forward to the the next coming months, really, of all the seasons that are going to open up soon. And really the preparation, I'm really starting to think about the my plan for deer season of, you know, what food pots I'm going to do and kind of what my mindset is going into it of how I'm going to address doing my, uh, you know, habitat work and prepare for this upcoming season, really. Before we get into uh, the things that are coming up, you know, with the change of the seasons, really, let's dive into a couple of stories from the conservation news desk. <laughs> All right, so this first story comes from Fox News uh, from March 24th. Colorado fishermen ordered to pay over 1,000 each after catching 463 pounds of Michigan fish. So a group of six Colorado men in total have been charged for illegally fishing 463 pounds of salmon from the Manistee River back in October 2022. Michigan Department of Resources reported that the men did not have valid fishing license and were using illegal tackle. At the time, the government-run agency wrote the department officers received a tip from another angler who witnessed the crime. Responding officers reportedly saw the men attempting to break off their fishing lines to hide their illegal fishing gear. The Michigan Department of Resources reported that the group possessed 17 salmon taken by illegal methods. And eventually they did admit or willingly admit of their illegal activities. In addition, 40 to 50 salmon were recovered from coolers that were kept in the suspect's vehicles and some other fish were already filleted. Now, if the men had properly licensed or if the men had been properly licensed, they would have been allowed to keep up to 30 fish in total. Prior to the group's arraignment, Michigan Department of Natural Resources reported that the men could face monetary penalty of more than $4,600 in restitution and additional costs. They go on to say that the rivers of Michigan are home to coho and chinook salmon, and the department considers the two species a valuable public natural resource. So they go on to say, too, that the authorities of the Michigan DNR announced that the 463 pounds of salmon were donated to local Manistee County families uh, the same day that they were recovered. So at least they didn't go to waste. Uh, but it's really interesting that these this group came from Colorado. And clearly, 
the fact that they were trying to break off their equipment, they knew that they were in the wrong in this, in this instance. So pour it on these fishermen and go down to the, the DNR conservation officers um, for putting a stop to it. You know, who knows how many uh, fish these guys would have taken out of the, you know, out of the river. You know, this definitely seems like an instance where these guys were, you know, going a bit excessive in regards to the number of fish they were catching. You know, and I'm curious to, I'm a little curious to read that, you know, they, that they really didn't report much else on any of their penalties. Again, they didn't even have licenses, so... I guess taking away someone's fishing license to come back to the state. I don't know if that's something that they uh, were going to enforce on these guys or if it was just going to be the, you know, the monetary punishment for these, um, for this group of individuals. Again, good on the DNR for catching these guys. And for those guys, shame on you for, you know, knowingly breaking the rules and trying to get away with it. All right. So this next article comes to us from bowhunting.com. Scientists grow mini antlers on mice using stem cells from deer. This article um, was written on March 21st. So very, very peculiar um, you know, situation here. So, so we'll get into it. The deer antlers grow fast. Many hunters and non-hunters alike marvel at a buck's ability to develop antlers within a few months. It's a fascinating process to say the least. Deer antlers are easily one of the fastest growing appendages an animal growing as fast as three quarters of an inch per day in the growth cycle. Scientists have studied the phenomenon for years, but now a focused effort is taking place to see how rapid bone development could be adapted to potentially heal bone injuries and regrow limbs in humans. So how the heck are they doing that? So scientists at the Northwestern Polytechnical University in China are researching the potential to harness the rapid growth rate of antler tissue by implementing stem cells from sick of deer antlers into the foreheads of lab mice. And so far the results haven't been terribly impressive. In fact, the shared oh, and then they shared some images of these antlers potential antlers, I guess, growing on the skulls of these mice. Again, does not look anything like a typical antler. Kind of like what the uh, illustration on top there. Clearly not a representation of what these scientists are, you know, getting for a result. The report goes, also goes on to state that this is not the first time the scientists have grown antler-like headgear on mice. Back in 2020, researchers surgically removed antler tissue from living deer and use cryogenic freezing mill to process the antler material before inserting it into mice. The test result produced mice growing visible antler-like protrusions on their heads. Researchers say our results suggest that deer have an application in clinical bone repair. Beyond that, the introduction of human cells into antler-like cells could be used to regenerate regenerative medicine for skeletal injuries and limb regeneration. And then they go on to uh, reference a article by Field and Stream. The research started by investigating the cellular makeup of the gene expression dynamics. <laughs> okay, anyone knows what that means. The dynamics of antler tissue throughout various stages of growth. Once they had isolated stem cell 
populations with the most potency and potential for regenerative effect, they started inserting those cells directly into the heads of their test mice. So they found that the most effective cell implants were those derived from shed antlers that were no more than five days old. So they went shed hunting. <laughs> those cells were harvested from the antler pedicle, which are the base of the antler connections to the skull plate, which, you know what, that kind of makes sense that they're going off the pedicle because that's where, you know, that's where the base of antler growth comes from. So you would expect that, you know, if they're going to harvest the cells that were most responsible um, for antler growth, that that would be the location more than likely. <clears throat> so the cultured and petri dishes, the transplanted, then were planted in the ear or between the ears of hairless mice. Within 45 days of implementation, the mice began to develop antler-like structures of their own. And they go on to say the fascinating undertaking will certainly keep our eyes on the process to see if the deer antlers will be used for potential medical procedures in the years ahead. So again, another one of those really interesting things where people are kind of messing around with genetics to try to uh, find solutions to uh, you know medical conditions or um, just try to help you know humans with medical breakthroughs so again very interesting uh work that they're doing you know sometimes there's some of those that i'm kind of like oh maybe they shouldn't be playing around with this type of stuff but this one you know i feel sorry for the mice that are growing some crazy things out of their skulls um but you know this could be something um you know that could be beneficial if they're able to you know help with bone regeneration um you know, I could see an application for that, uh, you know, to help people out. All right, so that is it from the news desk. Again, a couple interesting stories. The one about the mice is quite unique, um, but, you know, that's a growing trend of more and more people using characteristics and traits of animals to see if it can be used to benefit mankind. All right, next we've got a update on a or a couple of events to keep in mind. Again, I'm a big fan of the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, uh, especially for here in Michigan. We've got a, a pretty good elk herd uh, that I hope one day to be able to have an opportunity to hunt. Last year, I went to one of their banquets uh, local here, and it was an absolute blast. And I had looked forward to going again. Uh, it just so happens that it the banquet that I had planned on going to uh, conflicts with another event that I planned to go to as well. So I've had to make a decision on that. I'm not going to go to the Elk Foundation banquet, uh, at least the local one, but I am going to try to make it to another one uh, that's actually in the, it's for the Pigeon River uh, chapter bank, which is right in the heart of where the elk uh, herd really is, or at least a uh, part of it. You know, over on the west side of the state, we really don't have, uh, you know, elk run around in our area. Um, so it will be interesting to go to a, a banquet that's kind of right in the heart of where the, the elk herd is. But again, we've got several dates that are uh, here in Michigan. Of course, the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation is pretty much nationwide. And, you know, if you want to attend to a, 
uh, one of their events or banquets, you know, go to their website and go to their event tab and find the event that's near you. Again, if you have a chance to go to one of their banquets, I highly encourage it. They're they're pretty fun. Make sure you bring your pocketbook because uh, a lot of money gets spent uh, in regards to the raffles, the giveaways, and the live auction especially. That's quite a thing to uh, watch. Uh, and it's almost difficult not to get uh, caught up in all the action and start throwing some bids out yourself. All right, and next I want to highlight some key dates, especially for here in Michigan. You know, like I said in the intro that, you know, we're ma really making a transition from, uh, for different seasons, really, um, you know, the transition between uh, the, the kind of the winter activities and the, and the spring to summer activities is, you know, we're on the doorstep of those transitions or that, those switches there. So to highlight a few things, uh, again, the big one that's coming up is turkey season. So leftover, the leftover tags are available now. So if you, you know, didn't draw a tag that you wanted to or were or didn't put in for a draw, now is the time to buy a turkey license if you're planning on going out turkey hunting. And actually, I was looking through some of them. So some of the earlier uh, hunts and some units are still available. Uh, so they still have tags over left over. So if you want to get into some of the earlier seasons, uh, you know, make sure you, you know, get in and purchase a tag ahead of time. So of course, our season opener here in Michigan is April 22nd. So that's the first season, uh, pretty much throughout the course of, or throughout the whole state. And then you have in many of the units, you have a second season that runs through as well um, after that first week. And then of course you have the statewide. Uh, 234 hunt that's statewide and it runs from uh, a 6th through the 31st and again in my experience you know those earlier seasons you're gonna have a little bit easier time as long as the weather uh, cooperates for you you do have a shorter window to be able to hunt um, but you're, at least in my experience it's been a little more action-packed a little bit easier hunting um, it just seems that the turkeys are a little bit more fired up uh, a little more anxious and you know, a little more responsive to calls or decoys as you get further into season they they wise up and become a little bit harder to hunt at least in my experience again you, know, you may have a different experience where you hunt so it's a kind of a, uh, a give and take do you go for one of the earlier seasons that are shorter or do you allow for more time for that later season that may be a little bit tougher and now that we're into April, small game season has ended. You know, the last day was March 31st. So your rabbit and squirrel or anything else that falls in that small game category. And then as of March, the pure Michigan application, um, you know, hunt is available. So if you want to put in for that, again, there's a big old prize package uh, for, you know, basically your your entire you know group of tags and licenses uh, for the year as well as an opportunity to go out uh, for an elk hunt bear hunt all that type of stuff so a huge giveaway again it goes towards um, that hunt as well as you know any of the funds go to conservation as well and again those are only five bucks a piece so basically every time i buy a tag i throw in uh five bucks for another application for that pure michigan hunt again a lot of people put into it and there's no limit on how many entries you can put in um, so your odds are very low of drawing but you never know you may get your name pulled from that hat all right and then next are there's a lot of fishing opportunities 
you know, again, some of the seasons have kind of closed down for some of the spawning, uh, but they will be opening up again. Um, you know, the big one that I'm looking forward to is the pike and walleye opening, opening up again. You know, again, they shut down a little bit for the spawn period, but season opens up again at the end of April. So April 29th is that season opener again. Now, again, some of you that have are in the, you know, certain areas that the season never closes, you know, we're looking at the St. Clair or Lake St. Clair, St. Clair River and the Detroit rivers. Those are open year round. So if you're in that area or if you want to take a trip over there, you know, those seasons, you know, you can get kind of a jump start onto it. I'm actually going to probably take up a friend of mine uh, who offered to take me out. So I may take advantage of that and uh, go fish the other side go fish the other side of the state. And then as well for the wall, pike and walleye, the UP waters, unfortunately you got to hold out a little bit longer. Uh, that season doesn't open up until May 15th. And another one, another big one that's opening up is the salmon and trout season again for basically for statewide. So again, that opens up on April 29th. Now, certainly there are some waters that are open year round. Um, but this is basically the opener to open up throughout the entire state. So some of the waters were closed, but they will be opening up at the end of the month. And of course, your panfish and perch, they're open year round. So you always have an opportunity with that. <clears throat> and of course, always check with your local regs, you know, depending on season dates and locations that are open and time frames and species that are available to you. Always double check that. You don't want to end up like those Colorado guys, uh, be fishing for the wrong species at the wrong time at the wrong place. So that's it for really the updates, you know, for the, for this next month, you know, I'm still, um, you know, kind of undecided right now on, uh, when or what season I want to try to go for, for a turkey season. You know, again, I could go for that earlier season increase my odds a little bit, uh, with that shorter time frame, though. Uh, I hope that I don't, you know, find myself buying a tag that, you know, I don't actually have time to be able to go out and, and try hunting. So, so I will have to make a decision soon because I'm sure those leftover tags um, for that earlier season are going to go fast. And then also, I mean, again, I know my youngest daughter, she is very eager to hit the open water to do some more fishing again. It's kind of funny. I end up having uh, my oldest daughter. She likes to go out ice fishing. My youngest doesn't like it so much. She likes going out on the boat and then vice versa. The oldest doesn't care so much for going out on the boat. So, so either way, I kind of win because I got a child that likes to go do one or the other. So I always have kind of a fishing buddy. And again, my, my oldest, she's actually... Um, piquing her interest of trying to do some hunting this year. So I kind of mentioned to her again about potentially her going out and going turkey hunting with me. And she seemed like she was open to the idea. So we're going to try that out again this year, see, um, you know, kind of, she's still, you know, wanting to uh, give it a shot when we get closer to season. And then after that, I mean, the next big thing again is looking at the, my plan going forward when it comes to getting ready for deer season. I mean, at this point, you know, those will be dropping their fawns within the next couple months. And we're going to be looking at doing our uh, spring, summer food plot cover pro cover crop, um, you know, work. So I'm going to be trying a couple of new techniques. You know, I've been learning a little bit more about uh, soil health and the microbes and the connection between microbes and your minerals and your soil 
um, composition. Uh, so again, going to do a little bit more about uh, trying to cut down my inputs, trying to save myself some costs, and also try some different techniques about terminating uh, terminating your uh, you know weeds or uh, winter you know winter food plot you know whatever's left. You know the one really interesting thing again the big talk about glyphosate. Um, you know, again, there's you know, the concern of it causing cancers, as well as um, I learned at a seminar just this past month that uh, basically glyphosate can actually bind up some of your, your macronutrients or and even some of your micronutrients as well. So it actually could be starving, uh, you know, your plants that you're trying to grow uh, from getting the nutrients that they want or that they need anyway. Um, so again, trying to cut back on that trying some different techniques. Um, probably the one I'm going to try this year is using a roller crimper. So I don't know if I'm going to do a complete um, elimination of, of using glyphosate, but I am going to certainly cut it back quite a bit um, to see how well the roller crimper, at least in my instance, will work. You know, again, to my, knowledge, to my knowledge, you kind of want to have a good, nice level field to work with, but I don't really have that. It's quite bumpy. There's even some holes in it. Um, that may not get a good termination just using the roller alone, uh, but I am going to do some tests to see how that performs. Um, again, the other thing with crimping is that sometimes your timing has to be right. If the plants aren't quite the right phase, uh, then you may not get a good ter termination. And then also looking at uh, a better mix of plants that are going to work better with, again, the nutrients and the microbes and doing that nitro or the nitrogen cycling and then also help build the soil, build up carbon in the soil. Um, again, it's going to feed the whole system. But again, we've got there's time to talk about that more in detail, and hopefully, I um, can share a little bit more information about exactly what my plan is, um, and actually, hopefully, get some people on that can help explain it, the process a little bit better than even what I can in the next few, uh, next coming months, um, to really share that with you and to help you. Um, with your food plot program but that's it for this episode again hopefully you get out there um you know again this is kind of a time frame where whatever you're, you know we're starting to break out of the winter funk and getting you know shaking off the the winter cold and getting out there into enjoying the spring weather so i do hope that you get out there so i do hope you have time to enjoy it and as always get out there be safe and have fun.